Welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast, the show where we help you optimize your health, fitness, and mindset on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. My name is Maxim Siguain. I am a former triathlete, powerlifter, bodybuilder, and basketball player, and I've been vegan for over nine years. I'm also the founder and CEO of Fit Vegan Coaching, which has helped over 500 vegans from 20 different countries to completely transform their bodies and their health. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan Podcast. Today, I have some special announcement, and I'm also joined by Dr. Lori Marvis. Lori, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Excited to be recording with you today. I am excited to be here. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Yeah, it feels weird to like start a podcast after we spoke for one hour. So for people listening, <laughs> we're supposed to start recording an hour ago, but just so many, so many great exchanges of ideas of like, all right, we're recording one hour after we started. It's all good. That those are the most enjoyable conversations. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so for the people listening, we have a special announcement. I'm very okay. excited and feel very grateful for that. That we're going to have Dr. Lori Marbus join our Fit Vegan team. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm so excited to be a part of it and uh, really looking forward to see where this grows and taking care of your clients. And yeah, it's just going to be wonderful to add one more additional avenue for people to find health through, a, you know, plant-based diet and exercise and, you know, taking care of people is such a joy. It'll be fun to work with you guys and, and see what happens. Yeah, same here. And just for the people listening or the current members listening, we're going to start offering blood work at the beginning and a consultation with Dr. Lori at the beginning of the program. That way we can get from those results. If there's any deficiencies, we can tweak and modify your nutrition to help you feel those deficiencies. And we're going to do another blood work at the end of the program to see kind of where your body is at and make any necessary adjustments. So very excited to offer that because that's going to help us obviously optimize what we're doing for nutrition for our members. And then with your expertise, with our nutritionist, Sarah, I think it's going to be just a, a killer combo for the members. Yeah, no, they're, all they have to do is do the work, right? So they do the work and just, you know, what I found is that people who really engage and listen and understand and know that they're a team here to help you. And then of course, it's just a journey, right? So you'll have something happen along the way, but as long as you just make the decision just to get back on the horse and follow through. Yeah, like you said, the the nutrition piece is so key, but there's some things sometimes people don't know, like your thyroid mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe they're anemic because they have heavy periods or maybe they've gone, you know, really extreme and removed all iodine resources. Right? So there's a lot of different things that can occur and maybe they're having some weird symptoms and they're worried about different things. That's where I can come in and really evaluate make those suggestions, like you said to Sarah and some other things. And then at the end, and of course I'm always available if you need to in the middle, um, cause you yeah. become a patient of mine. Um, and at the end, you know, repeating that lab and really seeing where you're at, but the really fun piece is looking at blood sugars improve and cholesterol improves. And we talk about all those different things and happy to answer any questions that they might have. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's fun thing. So it's nice to, for me as a doctor to, say, okay, here's your blood work. You know, I tell you what to do. And but then you guys are in there with the coaching, you the move. And then, so it's really nice on my side too, because I feel like what I do is going to be amplified as well. Yeah. So it's, I'm going to make sure they stick to, to it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, you guys get the hard work. I get the fun work. <laughs> it's like, Hey, look what happened after <laughs> working with these guys. So yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. yeah very excited for to see the results and for members to see the results because mm -hmm. I wish we would have done that so much earlier, but we didn't know each other, but I wish we would have had it earlier right. because we had so many crazy transformations throughout the years wow. that I'm like, wow. I wonder internally what that shifted for them. Right. Cause we had like Matt who dropped 74 pounds and wow. you know, he loved to run, could run. Cause there's just so much weight. It was like, it was like a two sixty or something like that. And then lost a ton of weight, just got, got skin surgery, I think like a few months ago to remove the excess skin because he lost so much weight. But I'm like, wow. I would love to know the blood work like he had before and like after, like how much, how much did that increase his lifespan, right? Like what, what a difference mm -hmm. did it make in his body with like in his cholesterol, his blood pressure and all his markers. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause weight, like you said, is just one bio biometric that we think consider, but also you think about inflammation, right? Cause all of that yeah. excess weight and inflammation, and that's really the basis of a lot of chronic disease. So, you know, of course the eating and shifting and moving your body and losing that weight. I mean, the, the, the diet is so anti-inflammatory, just seeing the inflammation improve so dramatically and quickly. And you, I'm sure you've seen this patients, I say patients, your clients, um, <laughs> you know, joint pains and discomfort, things just suddenly yeah. disappear. Um, and that's within days typically. So those are the fun things to measure. Like, um, and I don't think that's part of the things we're gonna be offering, but if ever we, we could always add stuff if someone wanted to do something different, that's not a problem, but like, you know, inflammatory markers and seeing where those end and change, that's pretty cool too. Um, but even, for example, even what we do check, like, for example, like a white blood cell count, right? So Many yeah. times if you're obese, you'll see this really high, even though quote unquote, it's in the normal range. A lot of doctors just, just ignore that. But when you look at my plant-based folks, man, and they've been plant-based for a while and they've lost weight and so that white cell count drops. And sometimes it'll drop outside of normal low. So anywhere between like 2.5 and four. Um, and it's just because there's so much good things going on that there's no inflammation. So I feel like there should be labs just for plant-based folks. Um, yeah. And then of course, like B12 and make sure all that's, yeah. So there's so many things. The conversation will be rich. Um, I'm sure with every appointment that I, I see your folks with, but um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, talk about the inflammation. I remember we had a member Damaris who um, worked from home and she had a hard time getting off of her chair. Like it was a lot, she had a lot of pain getting off of her chair. And I think like within a week of transitioning to eating plant-based and kind of making them eat the way we make them eat with whole food plant-based, she was like mm-hmm. getting up and she was doing a full squat, which she said she couldn't have done like in over a decade, um, just wow. with like one week, not because yes, she was strength training. Yes, she was eating food. But within one week, you don't see too much of a difference. But the inflammation was like gone rapidly from her body. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, no, I've had people with rheumatoid arthritis have pain disappear, psoriatic arthritis. Um, I mean, migraines improve. But yeah, the inflammation is piece like this reminds me is a really interesting on um, I was in a documentary recently called uh, from food to freedom. I was from the plant pure. They had an event recently. Right. Yeah, it I was re- in I Dallas. I recorded with Maya yesterday, so she told oh, me about awesome. it. Oh, yeah. awesome! Yeah, Maya Costa. I love Maya and um, Riz is her husband, Dr. Bukhari. Um, yeah, I was. I flew to Dallas for. They had a. Believe it or not, there was over a hundred plant-based eaters in Dallas. All yeah. <laughs> convened um, for a showing of the documentary, and then I answered questions, and it was really fun. It was really good. Um, good folks, and but one of the. Con- you know, the patients in the film, he was, you know, simply overweight from Iowa, <laughs> you know, just, he can imagine, but the, that was one of the first things he noted in that 10 days within a few days of eating plants, because we literally, we didn't quote unquote have him hostage, but we had him hostage <laughs> you know, from his house and we're feeding him their food. Um, was like, wow, I can get out of bed now without like, I used to go, you know, grumble kind of yeah. pull myself out of bed and just achy, but he was, now I just bound out of bed and like, what's, what's going on for the day, you know, and this is a man in his sixties. Um, so that, that always kind of resonated with me. It was really fun to be living in a house with these folks and watch their transition over 10 days. Um, yeah. yeah so that was really fun. That, but that was exactly what you're describing with, with that other client that you had. Yeah. So it's crazy. So Again, I want to dive into your story, but I just want to touch point on that. So obviously, so people that are overweight or in the obese category, their body is getting a lot of inflammation just from being in that category, right? So even if they're exercising, if they're eating whole food, plant-based, yes, they're reducing the amount of inflammation to have in their body, but just because of the state that their body is in is going to be a higher amount of inflammation. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So the obesity um, issue is in in and of itself an inflammatory state. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so, so like there's such a greater impact. So a lot of people are like, well, I'm eating whole food plant-based. I'm healthy. I don't really need to lose too much weight. I'm like, well, we need to get out mm-hmm. of that category so you can get to healthier mm-hmm. weight. It's not, again, let's not even focus on the look aspect of how you want to kind of look and feel, but just increasing 
the quality and duration of your life by reducing right. by removing the thing that's causing inflammation that even if you eat healthy and exercise like that inflammation is still going to be there until it's addressed right absolutely and it's it's funny because um you'll see patients have elevated inflammatory markers and they might be near like let's say overweight status right and it's like or their cholesterol just can't get right to where we want us like you need to lose some some more weight and it's not yeah. even so much a number on the scale i hate to people have this weird relationship with the scale it's like all it is is data right it just tells us yeah. that you're making the right choices through the week um because even on a whole food plant-based diet a lot of people like to say oh i don't have to count calories i'm like yeah well actually you kind of probably still do especially if mm. you have you know folks that are really engaging with a lot of nuts or the avocados and they're dates, pulled towards dates. that date. Yeah. Oh my heavens. Exactly. Um, so dried fruits and um, they don't, you know, and they're snacking all day and they wonder why they can't lose weight. I'm like, well, let's talk about what you're eating. Cause you can overeat because people are so used to always eating. They've forgotten yeah. what it's like the real hunger cues, right? They, they, they've lost that intuition with their body and then yeah. just being mindful of what's going in their mouth because food is so available everywhere we go. Um, but yeah, yeah there's so a numbness. Even it is numbness. That's a great word. Yeah, no, numbness is a good word. But yeah, it's just um, I I push people try to get their and BMI, like you said, especially if you would know, you know, dealing with body composition is a little bit not the best, but it's, I'm you know, technically it's overweight. It's, I'm technically overweight. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I would have people like when I was in the air force, right. Um, we would have big lean guys that were like considered significantly overweight, but I'm like, there's nothing overweight about you. You just have muscles. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. is just used to, um, but for the majority of the normal population, a BMI is a, a reasonable thing to utilize. And, you know, I try to get them closer to that 22 mark is the high normal just because that's where I start seeing really normalization of the biometrics and the metabolic factors. Um, yeah, like their blood sugars and cholesterol and things like that. And then still, even still, sometimes there's some genetic factors or something that someone's cholesterol will remain elevated. But for the majority, that's where you really start seeing the huge shifts. Yeah. Well, I love what you said about the number on the scale just being data, right? There yeah. is that weird attachment in our society that people have to number on the scale. And it's mm -hmm. most people think that they don't have that. But I always like to ask right. the question, like if I was to snap my fingers, give you exactly the body that you want, but you're 10 pounds heavier on the scale than the number you have in your head, would you be happy? A lot mm -hmm. of people wouldn't. Because it's like, no, it's not that number. But I'm like, you look exactly the way that you want to, you feel amazing, but it's just not that number on the scale. And Crazy. I think that attachment leads people to do really stupid things sometimes when it comes to their training yep. nutrition to trying to reach that number. They're, you know, they're in their fifties and they're like, Hey, when I was 17, I weighed this much. Let me just go back down to that. I was like, no, you were 17. You have as much lead muscle mass. Like you're just, you're a different body type at that point. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was six, I weighed a hundred pounds. Let me just go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but you do think about those things. Cause I was thinking the other day, you know, just, and the and I'm in I'll be 53 in October and um so I was coming out of high school I was an inch shorter than I am now and I weighed yeah. 118 and then I grew an inch in college believe it or not but I was late on everything like I did I almost start my period till I was like 16 and so things happened later for me for whatever reason I grew an inch and then I got married, you know, right before we finished college at 122. So that number sticks in your head and it's been 30 yeah. years. And I'm like, yeah, who remembers? I guess, but it's like, who cares what you weighed when you got married? But it's like this number is like, yeah, that would be a great number to say. <laughs> I weigh the male that I did when I got married. Like, but it, it's just funny how you think about these things. Um, yeah. yeah and how I, it's only important to us, right? Because if you... Right right? Like <laughs> for the people listening, I'm, I'm coaching Dr. Laura on her transformation. Yep. But like if you, when you yep. get to your body goal and you walk yeah. down the street, people are going to say like, Hey, Lori, you look great. So I'm going to be like, Hey, Lori, how much do you weigh? Yeah. Are you 122 right now? No. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you don't look that great then. Right? For me, it's like, I want to do a pull up now. Now it's a different thing, right? It's like, I want to see the biceps. I want to see, you know, strong legs. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, then the next 50 years, if I'm blessed with 50 years, will not be the similar as the blessed. So now it's like, I would love to do like a single leg, you know, pistol squat, you know, that would be so cool just to show strength at this age for me. So now yeah. it's like, it's, 
the number is still important because it tells me if I'm doing things correctly, right? That's like I said, now yeah. I'm looking at it as data. Um, and yeah. it makes me mindful of like, well, yesterday I might have indulged a little bit today. I'm going to be, you know, so it does kind of make that. It's kind of like a when I use the CGMs or the continuous glucose monitors on patients, I see yeah. a much quicker, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, where they're actually doing what I'm asking yeah, um, more much compliant, more quickly, more, aware. more compliant. Yeah, exactly. More accepting of what I'm giving them. And they definitely are more compliant in their behaviors. They're changing on their own without me prodding or kind of giving them that pushing guidance. They're like, oh, yeah. I already made these changes because I saw this happen. And now I'm exercising after my meals because I saw that helped. I was like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. beautiful thing about data. Once mm -hmm. you, people shy away from it because they don't really want to confront that area of their life in which they're collecting mm -hmm. data. But once you willingly take it on, you actually get excited about it. For example, like whoop, mm -hmm. just tracking your sleep and your strain yes. score and all of that. Yeah. Once you kind of like say like, I'm going to optimize my sleep and you genuinely want to, because it's one thing to say it and actually want it. A lot of people say they want to lose weight, but eh, when it's convenient, I'll do it. Right? right. But once you get information like, oh, I had a really terrible night of sleep. Well, it's because I had this the previous night. We have one of our members mm. who great sleep. And then one night decided to have a beer with one of his friends. Um, oh. Just one beer slept 10 hours, woke up at 18% recovery. And he was like, wow, wow, I didn't know my, it went from like 90 to 18, but like a great night of sleep, like in terms of circadian rhythm and amount of time in bed, but the alcohol right. tanked him. And he was so tired and guarding things like that was from one beer. So he knows right. now the next time he goes to potentially have a drink and be like, do I want to feel like this tomorrow? I think it has more impact than just like not having data, drinking yeah. a beer, waking up like, I'm a little bit tired today. I'll just kind of go with it. But to see the, yeah. the difference in data, I think it was more impactful for him. The whoop is really, I used, I was wearing it 24 seven, but um, then it, I don't know now. Now it's cool tan line. Night. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and I was like, people are asking like, why are you wearing two watches? I'm like, I was uh, right. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, I wear it at night though, like when I go to bed, but what's interesting is, the sleep, right? The number of hours, the um, heart rate variability. That is like yeah. my thing that I'm trying to. And so now I'm like doing a few experiments. So I love jump roping. So I did, I don't know, maybe 200 jump ropes last night. And my my heart rate variability went up seven. I was like, oh, wow. Right. So now I'm like, now I'm like. Do it for like, an hour Lori. before bed. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like Lori, that's not part of our plan. But, um, but yeah, it's like. I was just like, okay, this is interesting because I'm still running. I'm running, training for a half marathon and doing, yeah. you know, the weight training as well. And, uh, but uh, the heart rate variability is just like really annoying me that I wasn't getting it higher. Cause I know it's, but now I'm like, okay, now I'm onto something. So guess what? Now it's going to help me do that. And when I notice that my sleep isn't as good as it was like last night was less ideal than the, a few other nights. I think I told you like one night I had nine hours of solid sleep. I was like, I feel yeah. like a superhuman. I'm like, if yeah. I could get this, I would Every be day. like, I would conquer the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So, but then I go to bed earlier. Right. So it's the same idea. Um, and I'm always looking at like, if I, um, the next day, like what is my earliest hour? So if I know if I don't sleep well, I try to at least try to fall back to get a little bit more sleep before because I just know it makes a huge impact for the rest of the day so yeah it's really yeah. fascinating the whoop is, is really cool but I love that heart rate variability that's my yeah mm -hmm. a big part to, for heart rate, heart rate variability is we have one of our, our platinum members who he has again he's he does like cycling and, and running and swimming a little bit of like triathlon mm -hmm. type training because he likes the entrance mm -hmm. sports but with his strength training and he has really busy work because he's like a C executive. And so on, we can, we can measure, I know on what day he's going to be in the yellow. I know on what day he's going to be in the red. So all I did, mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, if we just move this workout to here and we move one cardio to here, and then the next week was all green, like all above oh, like wow. 70 plus percent, just by switching those workouts. That's why I love having yeah. the data. And for your HRV, right. you ever heard that if you stimulate the vagus nerve, it helps to increase your HRV. So mm. there's devices, one that you can clip on your ear to stimulate okay. it. I just bought one. Um, they were back ordered. So like there's a bunch of people, I guess, buying them. It's called Pulsetto. So you put okay. it around your neck and it's meant to stimulate right. the vagus nerve. And it's supposed to help you like increase your HRV. So I'm going to test it out once I, once I get it. 
So the vagus nerve is running, it's a, it's a cranial nerve running down to your, through the chest also, but it's probably the carotid bulb. Interesting. So I'd have to look at the, the breathing and the carotid bulb and it's losing the heart. Mm. Okay. I'm thinking about the physiology. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I did, I was reading about, cause we've had these articles and it talks about, you know, meditation, showing gratitude. Only one of it was physical exercise, right? So this really yeah. is a balance of the sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. For sure. And I'm pretty sure I know why mine was struggling because again, you know, we're closing down more and doing some other things and, you know, yeah, it's just when been you're very in fight or flight, weeks. when you're fight or flight, that's waking, stressors there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So um, I think I'm assuming that's part of why it's going to get better too, but the jump roping piece for me, maybe that's uh, I don't know. I'll, I'm going to experiment with that again tonight. It was way yeah. outside the normal. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that again and see what try happens for five days in a row and then stop one night and yeah. see if it makes a difference. Right. It's, then I'll be sad it's so, to stop. <laughs> yeah. it's so interesting to see what affects your sleep, the quality of your sleep, your HRV, yeah. your resting heart rate, because people don't think of this, but that fight or flight, that emotional, that psychological stressor can beat you up as much as a really hard workout did. I remember right. there was days when, with my ex-partner, when she was going through a cancer where like, she was we had a fight and then she was really sick and we had to kind of rush to the hospital it was like a stress like it was a hard day right probably one of the hardest days besides the day when she when she passed away it was like a hard day my score was like a 20 in terms of strain on whoop so for people who don't know like 21 is the highest right i was at 20 the wow. other times that i've ever hit 20 is when i ran a half iron man and i was like trying to win wow so wow. to me that like I didn't I didn't work out that day that that emotional and psychological stress was had put so yeah. much on my body that it just yeah. it just crushed me. And yeah. so if you're having a fight with your partner and you don't work out for the day, guess what? You could be tired and groggy the next yeah. day or if you have unusual stressors. Yeah. I mean, and the perfect example of that is just like with blood pressure. So I had a patient who man, we just, she was under a lot of stress. She had come to stay at the Sussex when I was in Florida, working with Dr. Joel Furman and I was yeah. his medical director and people would come and stay with us for like periods of four to six weeks. We didn't stay in the same place. Like they'd go to an apartment and we'd meet and they'd spend the day with us, but I'd have meals with them. But man, her blood pressure, we just could not get it lower. And she, but she was always in this constant complaining state and just like this, right? Yeah. So I taught her this simple four, seven, eight breathing. I was like, let's try something. So I measured her blood pressure before manually so i know exactly what it was it wasn't an electronic cup it was like i'm listening and i was yeah. like okay and we literally did four four seven eight breathing which is basically breathing in over four you hold your breath for seven out over eight right that long extended exhale and that does some definitely engages you know that relaxation and the breathing is the vagus nerve right that's involved yeah. there and her her systolic blood pressure which is that number on top dropped 15 points literally in a matter of minutes, 15 yeah. points. And she goes, Oh, I feel so much better. I was like, okay, this is your new secret weapon. I need you to consistently do that throughout the day. Um, but it does, it speaks volumes and then blood sugar. Um, I had a friend of mine who's an endocrinologist and he had spoke of a patient who, um, blood or blood sugar. She said, came in saying every time she spoke about a family member, her blood sugar would spike. And he, she was wearing a CGM. She came in one day He's like, Hey, how are you doing? He checked her blood sugar that right there was like 120. And yeah. she asked, he asked about that family member and it literally in a matter of minutes shot up to 300. Wow. 300. So, you know, again, it, it just the body's response, that cortisol and release and um, yeah, the yeah. sleep thing and the stress, we, 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 we don't pay a heed to it. And then what we're thinking about it, you know, I think about kids and the stressful things that kids are going through, um, you know, these days uh, with social media and not getting out and playing and, you know, they're isolated Constantly being COVID bombarded and, with notifications. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Always, yeah. always. So, so much. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. much to, to talk about, it, but yeah. Anyway, It's challenging to reduce that stress, right? Like I know yeah. you and I live pretty crazy, busy lives and have, um, yeah. uh, Google calendars that gives a lot of people anxiety. Um, but yeah. you know, we're trying to find ways like to me, one of the big things was buying a second phone. So this is like mm. my phone to text and call. I have zero email, Instagram, there's nothing on this phone. 
That's my phone for everyday use. And then I have my phone, that's my webcam right now that has Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. This stays gotcha. in my office. So when I leave my office, it stays in here. I don't have access to social media. And when I am out at the gym or when I'm doing things, like I forget to film stuff because I'm still a content creator. Like I, I forget to film stuff because I'm like, my brain knows there's nothing on the phone. So I can't right. do anything. So I'm just present. I'm just present in the time. And at nice. the end, I'm like, oh, we didn't take our, our photo for like when we went to dinner, right? For Ivy and I. And I was like, well, that's being present basically, right? So, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, that's trying a great, to, that's a great rule of thumb. Yeah, trying to find those things because yeah, with, with, with social media, with work, with the way the world is going, it can be very easy to be overstressed and then be in that state. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Being present is the, the new challenge, so yeah. Especially if you're consuming a lot of caffeine too. That makes it like, right. that's rough. I know you mentioned yeah. you love tea. Do you drink coffee as well? Nope. Okay. Never have, have cool. drink coffee. I never like the flavor. I like the smell. But um, yes. yeah, I drink, I try to keep my, and I have played around with that. Um, I try to keep my tea to before noon. So yeah. by the time I'm in bed that it's um, out of my system. Oops. But uh, so then it's, and then it's like the seltzer waters and water and just water yeah. after that or herbal tea if I want something like that yeah oh good yeah i i switch off caffeine in january and mm. then so now it's just one chai tea in the morning and then mm. yeah stop drinking it by like 8 a.m and then nothing else for the rest mm. of the day huge game changer in terms of like my hrv stress response and overall yeah. anxiety from drinking caffeine you don't yeah. feel it until you cut it out and you're trying to bring it back in it's mm. just like it's a panic attack in a, in a cup basically yeah, no, yeah, no, I, uh, I just enjoy it. Well, there's so many benefits to tea too, right? The health benefits. So green, green and black tea most days. Yeah. So, and I've been drinking yeah. tea, like my mom, and we were just talking this to my husband about this last weekend. Uh, like, I don't think there's been a day in my life I haven't drank tea. So like my mom used to make sun tea. Like we had tea all the time. Like every single day of my life that I can recall when I even deployed overseas to the Middle East, I brought yeah. tea with me and my husband would send me tea because I just did cold brew in the fridge, yeah. like with these little free refrigerators in our little rooms. And I just would bring the bottled water, put a tea bag in there. And overnight I did a cold brew. Um, yeah. So I love yeah. tea. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into your story. Cause yeah. I, I don't think I, I might've missed that. Cause you mentioned yesterday on the podcast that you were in the military and I yeah. think you might have mentioned on our first conversation, but for some reason, it just like hit me yesterday. I was like, well, we never really like spoke about that. So yeah, how, how did you get into the military and kind of what led you to go into being mm. like a plant-based doctor? Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> go back. A I'm, second. I'm curious because um, my little brother is in the, is in the army, um, which we okay. never thought he would. He was just like, one of the, I'm going to do this. And now he's been three years. So I'm always That's curious awesome. as to like what brought people there. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I grew up in, uh, New Mexico, which is Southwest over by the border of Texas. And there was an air force base, um, near us. And I just thought it was so cool. Like just the thought of service, you know, I grew up in a small town and, um, very, you know, just, yeah, I think, I think it's the, the thought of service and working for your country and knowing that I wanted to be a doctor would also be a way to, help pay for school. Um, yeah. so that's, that's where that seed was planted. And if you've ever been to an air force, like air show, they're just I've, cool. I've been to an air force <laughs> because I was like, I don't think jiggle is the right word, but I was hired because they had an event. So when I was modeling, I had a bow tie and I was shirtless and it was a women's event for the, for the air force, for the wives. <laughs> So I was back in my modeling day. So yes, I have been on an Air Force. <laughs> so funny. Um, but they'll have these big air shows, you know, and the planes will fly and you can go and take pictures. And they always had one in at Cannon Air Force Base. When, so anyway, I just, it just was so cool. This just, just way yeah. cool. So I was like, Air Force is it. It's like Air Force or bus. Um, and uh, so that's kind of how, and the reason I wanted to be a doctor um, was because my, my sister, uh, when she was little, she was born, so she has a kidney and then the bladder and there was um, the ureter there between it was kinked. And so she was sick um, for the first mm. few years of her life. And 
we didn't have insurance. We didn't have a lot of money. We were really struggled um, financially. My folks did. And, um, and uh, so we had poor healthcare. And um, finally there was a urologist that um, she kept having bladder infections and different things. And they did surgery in Clovis. And I met him actually for the first time this summer. I actually wrote about this urologist and I'll explain to that here in a second. It was really cool. Um, but anyway, he did the surgery and she went from being a sickly little person to, you know, what a normal running around rambunctious world should be. And mm -hmm. I was like, I was 10 at the time. I was like, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be a doctor who does that. That's cool. And uh, I loved hospitals. I thought they they smelled cool. I thought they looked cool. I like I just wanted like the beeping noises were like so intriguing. I was like, it's just not normal 10 year old. Mm. Anyway, um, that was a, a doc there um, and Dr. Alan Haynes. And I had been to Texas back to, I did a, a grand rounds this summer back in Lubbock, Texas, where I went to medical school. And just anyway, speaking to um, my prior uh, program director and he mentioned a Dr. Haynes and I was like, is that the same Dr. Haynes who was in Clovis, New Mexico, like 40 some odd years ago? He goes, yeah. I was like, Dr. Ellen Haynes, a urologist. He goes, yeah. It's like, I wrote about him on my application for medical school. He goes, really, would you like to meet him? I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> so, because he never knew that he inspired me to be a doctor. So I met yeah. him and I was talking to him about, you know, the story and he started crying and I was tearing up and you know, here it is. He goes, he actually remembered my sister's case. And now anyway, so it was just really cool to have that opportunity. Yeah. But anyway, so going on, went to medical school. Um, I uh, went to college and met my husband. We got married and then I stayed home for six years, had three kids. Um, so Emily was five, first day of kindergarten. And I started medical school the same day. And the boys were three and 10 months old. And then, mm. um, went into family medicine and uh, the Air Force for four years after residency. I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia. And okay. um, that's how I was in the Air Force. And then after we got out of the Air Force, I did four years. I couldn't get deployed anymore. I just didn't have it in me. Because um, yeah. my husband was also active duty for a period of almost eight years, seven and a half years um, before me. So we we're yeah. military family. They lived all around the, the country. And so... I went to Colorado because we love Colorado and I was in rifle Colorado. And this is kind of my plant-based story is I had a patient come in to see me one day and she mentioned, she goes, this is in 2012. And uh, she's like, you know, Dr. Marvis, meat and dairy upset my stomach. I was like, okay, stop eating meat and dairy and come back in mm -hmm. a month. And we'll just, you know, I was thinking, add things back in and see kind of what it was and yeah. didn't think much of it, but I knew there was plenty of food that she could eat otherwise. Right. I luckily yeah. for us being, you know, where we didn't have a lot of resources growing up, we grew a lot of our food and we didn't have a lot of meat. We definitely had more dairy, but um, we grew our own food. Uh, we had tons of beans, like beans, 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 beans. Didn't have processed foods because my mom's like, I ain't paying for box cereals. I'm not paying for chips and all that. Like we literally ate very clean. And yeah. um, so I'm fully aware that she didn't need, you know, meat and dairy to sustain herself. She came back in 30 days, brought her daughter with her, who was 16 at that point and had her miss school for this appointment, which was really odd to me. And I was like, hmm, what did this kid do, right, to... <laughs> me to come to her mom's appointment and she said well tell dr marvis what you did and she goes well i wanted to support my mom right because we had two grocery stores in rifle colorado okay it's in the yeah. middle of the rockies it's named after a gun there ain't no vegan restaurants in 2012 and yeah. rifle colorado and so you have two grocery stores there's a walmart and another one and um and uh so basically yeah. She said uh, we cooked at home and I felt so good. I stopped two attention deficit disorder. She goes, I stopped my two ADD meds, the attention deficit mm. disorder meds. And she goes, I feel amazing. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. And her mom looked at me and not out of frustration, but, you know, kind of in frustration, just not angry, but she certainly had this really serious tone was like, yeah, why was she able to do that? Like, why didn't you doctors tell me that that's all I had to do was change this kid's 
diet and she wouldn't need these medications with serious, you know, potential serious complications or side effects. And I was like, I don't know, but that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And so we just started talking about what they were doing and eating. And it was basically plants. It was like the slow, you know, the dimmer switches that you turn on the light in the living room or a room, a light room. Literally, that's what was happening. It's like, here comes the dimmer switch and it's coming on. It's like, it slowly started percolating. I was like, oh, this is a plant-based diet. And they're like, yes, because that's what you said to do. (laughs) I was like, okay. So then, you know, the moment I step out of that room, I Google, like we all do. I did ADD and a plant-based diet. And the first book that came up was T. Colin Campbell's book, you know, The China Study. It's kind of fun that I was ended up being in a in a documentary with him and his son and his wife. Um, it was just really fun. But uh, anyway, it came, the Amazon ate, read it in two days. I literally remember sitting on the floor in our bedroom and I'm just reading through these pages and my husband would walk by and I go, look, they're turning off cancer with plants. And he's like, <laughs> okay. Little did he know what was coming down the pipeline for him. And, yeah. um, and the whole family. <laughs> and the whole family who were 13, 15 and 18 at that time. And uh, so I was like, Lord. And I was like, hmm. I knew that I needed to make my own changes. And so I was contemplating personally how to do that. And, you know, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism when Jonathan was born, my, my middle one, and had been on, that's the only medication. I didn't have weight issues. My cholesterol was always good. I mean, I did, I was always active. We did yeah. like, seriously, we did Tough mutters up 11,000 feet, you know, and like ran half marathons and all these things. Like I was active, very good. But um, there's another piece to that thyroid piece here in a second. But anyway, I had another patient come in two weeks later as I was trying to figure out how to do this, how to do this in practice and do it myself. And, you know, like, how am I going to bring this home? And uh, she had lupus. So lupus is an autoimmune disease. It can be terminal. It's a very serious illness. And um This patient was uh, younger than me at that time, and she had been diagnosed maybe two or three years earlier. She had had, you know, all sorts of issues, but she was on 12 different medications, seven of, um, you know, well, I'll, t- I'll get to that in a second, but the, she had 12 medications. She was 50 pounds overweight, chronic migraines. She was on high doses of steroids to suppress the immune system. She was on methotrexate, which is another immune suppressant. And she came in complaining of migraines and not sure she could keep working. I was like, I was like, wow, I don't think there's anything else we can do medically, at least from a family practice standpoint, maybe a rheumatologist, but nothing that I could do for her immediately to relieve her suffering. Because at the end of the day, that's what doctors feel burdened to do is relieve suffering and quickly. Right. So that, that's honestly, I think where we get so addicted writing just more scripts and trying to help and get to see the next patient. But, um, so I was like, you know, I can't do much more on, with my prescription pad, but how about we change what's on the end of your fork? And I will tell, I kind of told her a little bit about what I was reading and the story about the other patient and, you know, the inflammation is improving. I hear when I'm reading through the different things, she was like, I said, I only know like two weeks worth of information. I'm very new at this. Would you yeah. mind trying this plant besides she was, I'll try anything. And the most amazing thing happened. We measured her CRP, which are inflammatory markers. And, um, that day it was three times high normal. And two weeks later, when she came back, it was, it had dropped 300%. It was just outside normal. And wow. she had lost eight pounds. Her headaches were better. Fast forward five months. She had lost 50 pounds. She was off seven or 12 medications, including the steroid and the methotrexate. But anyway, at that two week point, when she came back, I was like, well, that's it. Um, that's incredible. So I'm going home and I was like, I'm going plant-based today, right now. And literally yeah. overnight. So I walked in the house. I remember dropping my purse. It was a Friday night. And I said, we're going on a plant-based diet. And everyone's like, <laughs> a little bit more stunned. And, yeah. uh, and I literally took a garbage bag and threw out the, the eggs, the cheese, the meats, everything that was in the house and milk. It didn't matter. It went in the garbage. And, yeah. um, and the kids, they're like, what do we do? It's mom. She's going to yeah. do what she does. And, uh, you know, it was like, if we go out to eat, you guys do what you want. But inside the house is what we're doing. And my husband, he's like, well, are you still cooking? And he's like, okay, whatever. And I was like, that literally was the end of the conversation. And I yeah. was very fortunate now having worked with lots of patients that not everyone has that early transition, but I, you know, as a mom, I always ran the house. So people were like, yeah. 
mom's going to do what mom's going to do and we're going to have what it is. And um, what's interesting, so that was a Friday night. I had a quarter of a grass fed beef in my freezer in my garage. Okay. Mm. I was like, we live in rural Colorado. You don't just put that out in the garbage because there are large animals you do not want to attract. Like literally they could get you. And so I was like, what am I going to do this? I wasn't going to give it to a human because at this point I'm convinced that that's not promoting health. So it's like, maybe I donated to an animal shelter or something. I don't know. I was trying to think up ideas. Well, Sunday came, we went to church, we came back. So this freezer had died somewhere in that weekend. And literally we were gone for like three hours. There was nothing when we left, but then we came back, like the juices of the, the meat and everything and the smell and the stench literally was just running down the garage door as we opened it. And my husband's like, if you had not been with me, I could have sworn you had unplugged it. I was like, nope, that is, I believe God saying, Lori, this is it. And that we're done. I was like, and we're done. And I haven't eaten meat or dairy since, not at least intentionally. I don't know. You know, yeah. it might've slipped in there, but it's been 11 years. Um, and my husband went on to lose 70 pounds. Um, the kids, you know, Emily went off to college. Um, she did her own journey. She's definitely plant-based now. I think she on occasion will have cheese, but she's learning that doesn't do well with her GI um and jonathan he's like plant-based because he's like you know it's for health and also emily is really convinced on the climate piece right so and then gabe my youngest he is my ethical vegan if ever right he wants to date vegan (laughs) he's like he's like into the ethical and you know they're all active and um it's a really cool i just uh yeah it's just been really fun and uh then i went on from there and had all sorts of adventures in the plant-based world. So that is how I found a plant-based diet. That's beautiful. Right. So you basically have a kid for each reason as to why people go vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. The whole household is covered. Yeah. And uh, Pat does it because, well, he's convinced now too, you know, like I have kids, he's obviously been with me, but the kids, you know, they live independently, they do what they want, but they've found a reason that resonates with them. And I think that's important conversation people that need to have with the loved ones that are impacted by their food choices. Like if, if you live with someone in your home is really, what is the reason that you feel would move someone to drastically change their diet? Is it health? And you can't scare them for their health because people can say, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, you're going to die from cancer yeah. or a heart attack in 10 years. You can't, that's the, that's not going to work because it's not their value right now. They say it might be their value, but what is valuable to them is they want to have energy so they can be present with their family and go hiking and go traveling. That's the value, right? That's, that's the piece you need to talk about. So for like Gabe, like being an ethical vegan, he loves animals, like doesn't want to do anything to harm a creature like this. I mean, he's incredible. And then Jonathan, he's just like, man, I've seen people, you know, my in-laws lived with us. My father-in-law died of cancer in our home Mm -hmm. and he saw someone pass away literally in front, you know, like right here. And it's so present. He saw my grandmother lived with us for a year. She saw her battle cancer. Right. So, um, these kids have been experiencing things like this is just practical. He doesn't drink. This is my other kid. He's like me. He's like teetotaler. doesn't drink focuses on everything drives like a grandma and then there's emily she's like much more you know thinking about the climate and the forecasting longer out you know like this is a big deal for when i want to have children and different things so yeah it's like what is it that resonates with them have those conversations with people and not in a judgy way or forceful way it's just you know there's just going to be people have to find their own path but if you present and educate them on all the potential options that might resonate with them that's yeah. where you'll find your win, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a, I can't remember which, what was the study, but they said the majority of people, they asked them like, why would you consider eating more plant-based? And it was like mm. environment, animal cruelty, health. Um, and I think the main one that came back was for health reasons. Mm. That was the main mm. one that people were like considering eating plant-based. But I think that's also a reflection of where the world is at in terms yeah. of health right now. And that's why they're potentially considering it. Well, and it's what's interesting though, too, is 
even people who have health issues. So I really would encourage people to check out <clears throat> from food to freedom, the documentary. So we, we literally spent 10 days with eight people. Six of them were insulin dependent diabetics. And during that 10 days, four of them became off completely off their insulin. Uh, another one lost like 10 medications, like cholesterol dropped 25%. Like we did lab before and after I had them on CDMs. Uh, the other two with their insulin dropped like 60 and 95% significant, yeah. right? Weight loss was significant. Um, <clears throat> they did a follow-up six months later, four of them remained on the, the journey and have done phenomenally well, losing 50 pounds and all these things, uh, kidney uh, disease improving, diabetes staying better, like normal A1Cs now. And then the other four went back to their environment and didn't. Right. So they had worsening health outcomes, right? You know, the weight gain went back on their medications even more than they were before. And <clears throat> for me, what was interesting, sorry, I could clear my throat. Um, what was interesting was, yeah, so both of these folks really wanted to change for quote unquote health. But what yeah. I noticed is in the conversations, because I literally lived with these guys for 10 days. So we had a lot of off-camera conversations for hours and hours and hours because what else am I going to do I'm literally talking to patients yeah. all day and there's eight of them and I'm just it was amazing the ones who really found you know it was almost tearful conversations right so they were like if there's hope that I can you know improve and feel better and be around for my grandkids like those that it's that value, right? It's more than just quote unquote health. Cause what does health mean? Health is the living, like health might be a, 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 a direction on a compass, right? So, okay, what are the decisions we can do to get you there? And what are the, what is, what else is that? What else does that mean? That means, like I said, being, it always comes back to family and relationships, I think for the majority. And yeah. every one of those guys, every one of them, um, found some value, like the youngest one who was 18 at the time, his value was like, he goes, I want to help other people. If I could do this for myself, imagine how many other people I could help. That was yeah. his. So he literally changed his, his, um, his major in college. And, you know, the others, again, it goes back to family relationships and being present. The others, I didn't have those conversations with, right. Um, it was more of, um, it's a burden, right? It was a sacrifice. Um, and it's just like this, you know, our New Year's resolutions, we do it for a period, short yeah. period of time. And then we fall off because we haven't connected our value of why we're actually doing it. And it's a goal. It's a, a point. It's a destination versus a continued journey. Um, and that I feel is the difference there. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. So the, the real reason is always a little bit hidden behind, right? It, it mm -hmm. all, I think humans tend to generalize the things that they want or the pain or the situation that they're in. And then it's not until mm -hmm. we get to kind of like dive deeper, talk to them that we uncover the real reason. It's like because of health, mm -hmm. but actually it's because of the amount of quality time you can spend with your family, for example. It's not, yeah. it's not the health component exactly. Because I feel people, again, I love psychology. We've talked about this multiple times, but I think people will say they want something but then not do anything about it, which makes them mm -hmm. question whether they really want the thing or not. And then they ask themselves, why can I not do the actions that I need to do to get the outcome that I want? But because their why is, is a smokescreen, right? Mm -hmm. It's health, it's environment, mm -hmm. it's animal cruelty. If they take the time to kind of like dive deeper behind it, then they'll discover yeah. the real why. Then it becomes easier for them to actually take the action. Right, right. Yeah. But everyone's Absolutely. kind of operating on false wise <laughs> to try to motivate right. themselves or they want to look good on their Instagram photos or they want this, you know, it's a very superficial, right? So you have to peel the layers of the onion back a good story that really expresses this is represents kind of this discussion of the values is I had a patient and this gentleman smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. And for the life wow. of me, I could not, not get him to stop. I did everything. It'd save you money. You're going to die of lung cancer. Um, yeah. You wouldn't have to stand outside in the cold and in Colorado at negative zeros to just go smoke. Yeah. You know, you name it. He's like, Dr. Marvis, I just like it. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, 
it is what it is. I've done my part. I can, you know, go to sleep at night. <laughs> I've done my more obligation to discuss this with you. And one day he came in and he goes, Dr. Marvis, I quit smoking. I was like, well, what did you? Because there was nothing I said or did. And he yeah. said, which was a good another another check off to learn lesson to learn is that you can't change anyone unless they're ready to change. And yeah. what was interesting, he goes, well, I was sitting in my chair smoking the other day and my granddaughter came up to me and she was crying. And I was like, I was like, darling, why are you crying? Because she goes, pop up, you smoke. And I learned that if anybody who smokes is going to die. So that means that you're going to die. And it moved him so much that him smoking a cigarette was causing so such a significant pain to and apparently I hear that grandkids are more valuable than children. This is my understanding. So that, that love is intense, apparently. So I'm waiting. I've put in orders, yeah. but nobody's fulfilled my order yet. So anyway, <laughs> that was a side note. But, you know, that 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 discomfort and pain that he saw that he was literally tormenting his granddaughter with was enough to make him quit. And he goes, I haven't, I don't want it. There's no reward to it anymore, right? So literally cut off a yeah. A 40 year habit, literally in one instant, because something was more valuable and for him than just the enjoyment of the cigarette. And that's nicotine. And nicotine is one of the hardest things to quit. Um, but anyway, that yeah. that resonates so deeply with me. And I share that story a lot because I need patients to understand that's what we need to find so that when you get to that really hard moment, when it, your motivation's low, and you're going to have to work a little bit harder to do something or make a different decision that you can reflect back on that and take a moment to be mindful. And it's like, what decision do I want to make here? Um, and that's where I find that people have better success long-term anyway. Yeah. Um, so you, as you were sharing a story about smoking, you know, I'm studying Tony Robbins work and some of his courses mm. and certifications. And there was one story where they talked about a man that was smoking and people don't change unless there's enough pain. So for this patient, right, it was, there was a deep attachment to his grandkids and there was like mm -hmm. that emotional pain because mm -hmm. the appeal of, I don't think it was the appeal of living longer. It was the pain that he was causing to her that oh, made yeah. him feel so much pain, but it speaks yeah. to the power of human's brain and how long it takes to change. It just takes an instant to just right. decide that, that that's it. Right. And then you can stop a hard habit like smoking, drinking coffee, drinking yeah. alcohol, starting to exercise, whatever it may be. Right. What Tony did in that, I think it was in one of his events. I think maybe he spoke, he told that story, but he had one guy that couldn't stop smoking. And so what he did is he locked up in a room with him. And then he's like, I want you to light a cigarette and smoke it. And he's like, and I want you to light another cigarette and smoke it. And he made him like I've smoke like 10 thing. cigarettes at once and like puff, 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 puff. He was like, smoke more, smoke more. And he was in his face yelling and screaming. And the guy was like scared <laughs> trying to like smoke all his cigarettes. And he's like, I don't want to smoke anymore. He's like, great, then stop. <laughs> and the guy never smoked again after, but he caused pain, right? That was the whole purpose right. of that of that thing. But is people, it's hard to do on your own. You need to have a lot of self-control mm -hmm. to be able to self-impose pain to have that experience for yourself to not make those habits anymore mm. to me like uh, i've gotten to a place where i look for them if i can create them so one of them i think mm. i don't know if i showed this with you but i've been biting my nails since i was a kid mm -hmm. um, always bit my nails and i have full-blown nails now i haven't bitten my nails in a few months now um but i was like how can i create pain because i was like i know i bite my nails and whatever they don't look that great but who cares <laughs> and then ivy said something one day and i was like hey looking at like business meetings you want to go corporate i was like okay well I need to look at my nails. I'm like, let me just decide to take care of it. So I was like, okay, I decide to take care of it. So I was like, now how can I self-impose pain to like me biting my nails? Well, I was like, let me just buy something that tastes like shit and put it on it. And so there's little <laughs> products that you just like wipe on it that tastes terrible and it lingers. And so every time I catch myself, <laughs> I put it in my mouth and it's so gross. You can drink water and it doesn't go away. And as I was my way of self-imposing pain, and I haven't bit my nails and I got full-blown nails now. <laughs> there you go. There you right. go. It's a, that's exactly right. But then it's just the consistency of doing the nail piece, right? Cause you have yeah. to put it on. I still put it on, even though it's been a few months, my goal is mm -hmm. to finish the bottle, which will probably take me four months, but that's mm -hmm. the whole point is if you just do it for one week, it, like it's great. But then as soon as you're stressed or anxious, more likely to kind of bite your nails. And so mm -hmm. it's like, you have to do it for a long enough of a period of time to self-impose that pain, depending on what mm -hmm. the behavior is that they want to change. 
right? Like biting your nails is more accessible than like smoking a cigarette. Like you can't do that inside anymore. You have to go outside. There's a lot of steps to it. But yeah, self-imposing that pain, I think is huge, especially when, you know, you're working with patients and looking at people that want to improve their their biomarkers, that want to get healthier, that need to lose weight for their health. It's just sometimes you think that it's painful enough. Like you hear their story and like, that is such a painful story. Why are you not changing anything? And they're like, I'm I'm okay. I know it sucks, but like, I'm kind of used to it. And people get comfortable with their situation where it becomes their norm. And then they, there's almost like a lost hope that things could be better. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yep. I always said, you know, um, one of my, my other jobs is being a prescriber of hope. Right. So it mm-hmm. really is having a different conversation with someone and understanding that their decisions got them to where they're at. Right. It's really interesting. Um, I think a good explanation of this, for example, it's just it's like a cognitive dissonance or dissonance where they don't connect. For example, I would ask someone, I've asked them to stop dairy, right? And mm-hmm. one of my questions used to be, okay, can you stop dairy? And they're like, why you like milk? I was like, well, let's look, let's go back. I have to ask you a question. I was like, why do you think cows produce milk? And like people look at me for a second, like it's a shock, right? It's like, yeah, it's like I slapped them across the face or something, like, or morphed into some weird alien. They look at me like, why would you ask me this question? They're like, to drink? I was like, for who to drink? And it really just made them sit with it for a minute. And they're like, like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Like when a mother has a baby and she produces milk, who's the milk for? They're like, the baby. I was like, what's a baby cow? It's a calf. They're like, oh, well, yeah. I was like, we're not baby cows. Like that's this sudden like realization and it's the yeah. same idea, like when someone has diabetes or they're overweight or high blood pressure and they're struggling and whatever, like, listen, these decisions that you've made, I'm not blaming you for these decisions. We live in an environment, it's really easy to make unhealthy decisions, right? We're actually primed yeah. and, you know, forced, you know, many times, sometimes that's all we have available to us. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you can make different decisions and prepare yourself to be in a different place and you can have a different outcome. Like you can have a different future. You don't have to stay in this place where your diabetes is out of control and your hypertension is out of control and you're fatigued and really struggling with your health. Like now we may not get you to where you were when you're 20, but I could certainly make you healthier than you are right now. Yeah. And Nobody has these conversations with them, right? Nobody sits down and says, okay, let's talk about personal responsibility and looking at how your decisions have got you here and how now you can make different decisions and get somewhere else and change the trajectory of your life. And, um, you know, then I'm like, tell me what it would be if you didn't feel bad or exhausted, where would you be if you had optimal health? What would you be doing today instead of sitting here talking to me? What would you want to do in you know, a week and six months and a year. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as I'd like to sit in an airplane seat without the extension, right? You know, or maybe it's, I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle without pain and stand there and give her away, you know, or yeah. So that's, those are the kind of tougher conversations, but it's, uh, it's a fascinating thing. This three little pound organ between our ears, it's yeah it's comp it's complex and it's yeah basically like through your line of questioning it made me think of like you just remove them from the hypnotization effect of marketing of the dairy and kind of like meat industry basically right they're like oh wait let me i just woke up from like this yes the state that i was in and now i'm realizing how silly it is for me to drink this thing you know right tony always says uh when you're in a state of confusion that's when breakthroughs happen but you can't be in a state of confusion if you're always exposed to the same information, having the same amount of convers, same level of conversation that you're used to having. You have to be exposed to new information, new perspective, new ways of doing things to be able to be in a state of confusion where you start to question things. Most mm-hmm. people don't question their knowledge. don't question their way of doing. They don't question their habits, the, the things that they do on a daily basis or decisions that they make. And then that's right. why they get stuck because they, they're not open to questioning it because it hurts. It yeah. hurts to question that potentially you've been doing something harmful with your body for decades. Right. But the other pieces is they ask the wrong questions, right? So P- 
people I think it's can subconsciously purposeful so that they don't get to the point I where they have to realize they were wrong. I don't know. I think sometimes people don't know how to ask the right question or they weren't taught that they can ask different questions, right? Yeah. So if all you've ever been given is a language of you're stupid and not smart and you'll never succeed, you never, you never think to maybe question, hmm, maybe I'm not stupid. Let me think about that. How can I prove to myself mm -hmm. that I'm not, right? Until someone is an example to them, and ask them questions or tells them, no, you don't have to. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if it was you that I was speaking to this about, but someone is uh, Carol Dweck, right? In the growth mindset work that she's done. And I believe it was with there me was on the last call. Yeah, it was a, like that study, right? Um, that she did. And the one thing that stands in that book to me was a fourth grader and they did two cohorts and one they shot, you know, this is how you study. And the other one they did, this is how you study plus growth mindset training. And the, and the fourth, fourth graders suddenly asked them, like, wow, you mean I don't have to be stupid anymore? <laughs> Mind boggling to me. And yeah. I was like, yes, yes, that's it. That's the question I needed people to understand. And, you know, I had another patient who had had severe eczema since birth, like three weeks old mom. I, I saw the little girl when she was eight and mom's like, we've been to three excuse me, three dermatologists. They won't provide any more medications, topical. They've done oral steroids. It was severe. It was like this poor kid. I mean, she didn't want to wear um, like little shorts and stuff because her legs were so like, it looked like uh, alligator skin. Like it was dried and cracked yeah. and painful in large areas. And I was like, we need to talk about changing your diet. And so I spoke to them and I had that exact conversation. I asked them about who produces milk? And the little girl was really interesting. The moment I asked her who was the milk for, she goes, the baby cow. And I was like, okay, kids get it, right? Because they haven't been so marketed yeah. to. And I was like, exactly. It's like, are you a baby cow? She goes, I'm not a baby cow. I was like, okay, well, let's stop drinking milk. And I was like, she's like, okay. I was like, mom, there's soy milk. There's other alternatives, right? Within yeah. three weeks, completely cleared up after eight years of suffering. Three weeks. Yeah. She also lost five pounds because of the inflammation. And she goes, Dr. Marbus, I tell people that when I don't drink, I was like, cause I ain't a baby cow. <laughs> I was like, you go girl. And what was interesting a year later, she's still doing well. Right. So yeah. that was really interesting because now you just ask different questions. So mom never thought to ask the question. Why is she have it from the beginning? Like, why is this kid have it and others don't? Or like, what else can I do besides medications? Like, this is not right, right? And a lot of parents yeah. do ask different questions, but she just didn't know until someone's like, let's let's look at this differently. So it's an opportunity yeah. to educate. Um, but yes, there's also people are very good at delusional thinking. And, you know, we, we think different stories and believe different stories because we're all fabricating some part of our story, right? That's just human nature but yeah. um yeah it just seems like understanding yeah yeah that's why the content that you and i and everyone in the plant-based community is making is important because in a static exposure to look mm -hmm. at things in a different way right mm -hmm. like i just think mm -hmm. of cyrus with mastering diabetes right yeah same thing like him going kind of like public and kind of doing all that with robbie like helped a ton of people that would have never even considered that they can consume fruits and carbohydrates and still be good with yep. their diabetes 100 yeah. Right. Right. But it goes to the educational piece, right? Because even doctors, if you ask doctors who promote a keto type diet, like, tell me exactly what causes type two diabetes. They can't tell you. They'll just say insulin resistance, like what causes insulin resistance. These are physicians, right? These yeah. are healthcare professionals and they don't understand lipotoxicity and saturated fats and how that can be so quickly reversed. I was like, let me tell you some of the stories, right? And I tell them about the the lady that I had that on my first year going plant-based and quickly learned that I needed to pay attention to certain medications. She had to stop insulin in, at 60 units of insulin in 72 hours. I was like, yeah. okay, now I've got to pay attention. Um, yeah, so, you know, our society's... Uh, in an interesting really place. Long yeah, <laughs> it's lot, a hard one. We have one. a lot of work to do. <laughs> yes, we do. There's so much work to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I know, I know we have, uh, you and I can genuinely speak for hours on end because we're, we're, we've spoken <laughs> yes, for two, over two hours at this point. Um, and I know we have to record for your show as well. So I just yes. want to say a, a massive thank you for coming on the show, yes, for providing yes. value. Very excited to partner with you and be able to yes. kind of support our members and the new members are going to be coming in. And so for the people listening, I'll put all of Dr. Lori's links down below from the podcast, Instagram to her website. Uh, if you want some more information on her, go show her some support. And Lori, I always like to end the podcast with words of wisdom that you'd have for the audience. Mm, words of wisdom. You know, thank you, by the way, for this. And I'm really excited to partner with you as well. Um, I think the word of wisdom is always think about one thing that we all have a superpower within us, and that's our curiosity. And don't be afraid to ask questions and poke the bear um, that's either internal or external. And really think to find what is the most valuable thing you have and what you think in your life. And then how can you continually work and make every decision a part leading back towards that value? And I think you can't go wrong. Um, yeah. That's what I would start with. You know? Yeah. Beautiful words of wisdom. Um, so everyone, thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support, please share it with others that would benefit from it share it on social media, and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Maxim underscore official and on YouTube at FitVegan. The links will also be in the show notes. I'll see you in the next episode.